that is vital in terms of where marketing is going now. People are tired of being sold to. They're tired of being marketed to. What I found is that you never actually know what's going on in someone else's head unless you get in there and find out. That's Frank and Marcy, husband and wife team and award-winning digital and messaging experts. Their mission is to help you rise above the blah by showing you how to communicate so you can get the engagement you want. They are a real study in duality, husband and wife, introvert and extrovert, and they both also have a second profession. Frank is an actor and Marcy is a creative writer. They found the formula to make their business work for them and how they want to live their lives. The idea that you can create a business that feels like you is always a story I want to share. So lean in and listen. It's a good one. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. And today I have two people (laughs) that I'm chatting to. So we've never done that before. So it's unknown territory for all three of us. But I specifically chose to invite these two lovely people on the podcast because I always love to talk to marketers and people in this space who come from a more authentic space and who are also on their own journey of learning and growing, same as I am, same as any entrepreneur is. But I love that they take this much more authentic approach to, as they put it, to help you rise above the blah. Welcome, Frank and Marcy. How are you? Thank you. Thanks, Vanilla. <laughs> what a lovely introduction. <laughs> Yay, I just thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to chat. We had our chat a few days ago and I loved this theme that was running through our whole discussion around um, the duality of things, because there seems to be often when I come across and I'm working with clients, they often feel like they can't bring their past self to their new self or there seems to be opposing situations or scenarios. And your entire business and even relationship is all about duality. And um, I thought we could poke around at that a little bit, as we already have. (laughs) Um, And the first duality, obviously, is that you're a husband and wife team. And I wondered if you'd share the story of how you met. Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, Frank um, is from Cork and I'm from Kentucky. Yeah. So I had never, I had never been to Ireland until, well, it's been about 10 years ago now, but, um, I got, I was just out of culinary school and, um, oh. I got an internship in a restaurant in work and we, yeah. um, you know, anyone who's been to Cork knows that it's, it's really just a small village and kind of everyone knows everyone and our circles of friends just kept overlapping and, and we kept meeting and, you know, eventually yeah. our greetings turned into longer conversations that eventually turned into a relationship. Yeah. Wonderful. And I didn't know you had the culinary background. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's another kind of different thing that's going on. And when we started, we were actually, because of my culinary background, we were only working with food companies. And then over time, we, mm. we branched out and started working with, um, you know, solopreneurs and, and other small businesses. Yeah, I think Marcy was kind of got to a point where she was looking for, she knew she should be doing something different and was looking for what it was. And at the time, I was um, primarily developing websites. And so I think it was, I can't remember actually, was it a chocolate maker or a pizza maker came to us first? I think it was a chocolate maker. And uh, depending on who you ask, one of us said to the other, hang on, this is the perfect project for us to work together on. Uh, I'm convinced it was me, of course. Yeah. I'm I'm convinced it was my brilliant idea. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of course, I said, Marcy, you know, you this this is perfect. Um, you can you're a fabulous writer. You can talk authoritatively about food. This would be ideal because um, whenever I'm developing websites, the content is always the huge problem. The client never has the content. Is convinced they can do it themselves, and it's never at the quality that it really needs to be at the end of the day. So we worked together on that and it was, um, yeah, it was just a, a fantastic success. And that was kind of the start of it. Were you actively seeking a project to work together on? Was that the idea that you would actively seek a project or did it just happen? It just, the opportunity presented itself. And I do, I do credit Frank with, um, you know, I, w- I was working in a food business at the time and I think he saw before I saw that it was just exhausting me, like being around people all day and just like totally, you know, always being on call for whoever came in. And I'd come home in the evenings and just be flattened. And our weekends weren't feeling like weekends because I was just in recovery mode trying to, you know, get my energy back up to head into another week of work. And Frank was Mm -hmm. the one who said, you know, um, so he was in the online space already and he was just saying, I think it would really suit you to work for yourself and to focus on writing. Just, you know, mm. you'd be able to manage your own schedule. You wouldn't be around people all the time and you'd get to do something else that you already love. So so it's when this website project that was a... Um, and were you writing for pleasure at that time? Yeah, so it was it was my own... It was for pleasure. I wasn't creative writing yet, but it was like food writing. So it, it yeah, it just mm. all fit together perfectly. Yeah, it was interesting because Marcy had been um, keeping up this this food blog, but wasn't entirely sure of herself what the purpose of what the purpose of the blog was. And so, although we weren't looking for the opportunity to work together, it all kind of happened so organically because. I suppose, really, as it turned out, the blog was just leading to writing this type of content, but for clients. And this prompts me to ask you this question, which was, you mentioned how you realized that this work that you were doing was draining you. And we started talking about this, that it's it's interesting that this other dual aspect to this relationship, which is that Frank is apparently the uh, extrovert and you're the introvert. And I've been speaking to a lot of people recently about, you know, marketing for introverts or, you know, the trend, which is all about the extrovert and people trying to force themselves to be more extrovert and the challenge around that. And then and what I love about this relationship is 
you started to notice or started to name yourself as being these things of being in this space of of being an introvert or being an extrovert slash ambivert. Um, and that there is a recovery to whichever one you are. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, we, we, we talked about how Marcy was kind of drained um, by interacting with people. And in a way, I was kind of I was kind of the opposite. I was being drained by going off into my office for however long to build out like a 30 page website that was draining me. Mm. Um, and so over time, we we realized that actually I needed to get the business to a point where I was much more like working with people. Um, working one-to-one with people and strategizing with people. And uh, so, yeah, this is kind of fascinating, the the two sides of the of the coin. But it meant that you were able to help each other, but also that you were able to identify, you know, focusing in on if we look at the thing that drains us, then we move away from the thing that drains us and we should spend the time where we are, you know, uh, energized, where we do our best work and to give ourselves space to come off that, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think I started to really explore it around the time that I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Emmett O'Neill, and he was saying to me when we were chatting that I was good at a lot of things, but that I needed to stop doing things just because I could do them and start focusing on the things that I loved. And at the time, so I act as well as doing um, digital marketing. Mm. And at the time, I was experiencing this draining feeling from from going off and building the websites. And I was being energized by the acting. And so I immediately thought, oh, that means I need to be an actor. But as I explored it, that's when I realized that actually, you know, it wasn't actually the acting itself. It was the fact that that was interacting with people. And so as we as we kind of explored what it was we were doing and as we kind of really dug into it, we were able to just, we were able to change the business in such a way that I wasn't going off and building these 30 page websites anymore and that it was much more people focused. And that you have a choice. So the other thing that I'd love to discuss with both of you is this idea that your husband and wife team, you realized that Marcy was drained from working where she was working and you wanted to find a way that there would be greater ease and I think that possibly, but I don't know if absolutely, here's my question for you. Did that lead you to realize that Marcy is an introvert and actually, Frank, you're an extrovert slash ambivert? And what did that mean for the business? That's a good question. I am. Um, no, I was going to ask you when, when, when did you feel like you realized you were an introvert? I think, um, I think it was this was around the time that those words really started becoming part of daily language. So, um, and around the time that Susan Cain's book came out, Quiet, um, which is all about being an introvert and introvert power. So I think that's, um, that's when we started having the language to be able to kind of identify what was going on with our different energies and, why, you know, Frank was perfectly happy to meet loads of people for coffee in one day, whereas I would meet one person and then I'd start getting cranky and and we were like, what's going on here? And then finally realizing that, okay, it's just because that one person was enough for, you know, for me to then need to go and kind of 
rest and and revive myself. So, you know, for working. And I also like this idea that the counterpoint to that was that Frank was exhausted if he was, as he said to us when in our previous conversation, that he would be exhausted from being in a room all day coding or developing a website. So you both started to realize something was impacting your energy and was actually who you are, actually. Absolutely, yeah. And also I had I had also kind of assumed that I was an extrovert, just an out-and-out extrovert. And um, I think I started to realize as as we were kind of exploring the whole concept of it, I started to realize that I wasn't actually an out-and-out extrovert. Certainly a lot more extroverted than Marcy, but equally, you know, mm. like when the pandemic happened, so as Marcy said, I would happily meet loads of people for coffee in a day. When the pandemic happened, I thought that that mm. lockdown would be really, really tough for me. Mm. And actually I found mm. I'm fine with this. This is, um, mm. th- this actually suits me fine. And I think I had actually, you know, my my mother is definitely an out and out extrovert. And I think that I had, you know, grown <laughs> up around that and just thought, you know, that's how you should be. And so I was pushing myself, yeah. you know, to, to the absolute limits of my extrovertism. And actually I've discovered that, yes, much more extroverted than Marcy, but still, you know, I'm okay with and need a certain amount of time just to myself. But do you think everyone needs a certain amount of time to themselves? I mean, I'm a bit like you. I like, I love meeting people, but I also like when I'm in a flow of, you know, a creative flow of exploring something and really digging into something to how I articulate it is I sit into it and I, and I let that process come and I equally love that. Yeah. But I do think, I do think there are people that, um, I do think that there are people who are at the at the kind of extreme limit of extrovertism and don't, you know, don't need that, don't need that time to themselves mm. or don't need that quiet time or, um, you know, can quite happily just keep going and keep going in terms of the social, you know, the social aspect. So I'd like to challenge that. <laughs> um, because in this age of, you know, uh, meditation, wellness, reflection, pausing, mental health, is it, and and it's an honest question, it's not an assumption on my part, is it that everyone actually needs this pause? Because otherwise you're just at this high pitch driving, driving, driving. Like how sustainable is that in in your view? Well, that's, that's a good point, actually, because, you know, I, you know, I know I'm saying that, oh, I think there are people you know, at that level. But actually, maybe it's that extrovertism has become so much the kind of norm or so much the thing that, you know, mm. people tend to believe that you need to be extroverted because a lot of a lot of, you know, successful people are purely extroverts. Um, and so maybe we've maybe mm. everyone, you know, maybe there's just a huge amount of people who, like me, were pushing themselves to extroverted extremes that they really didn't need to be at. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's just that it's become too pervasive. Yeah, it's the the thing that I loved about having this conversation with both of you is to actually view this through an equal lens that both both uh, aspects of ourselves have strengths and both aspects of ourselves have challenges. And what you have 
guys have done really beautifully is found a way to have this flow between you and how you work together. Yeah, it was um, like, bravo. (laughs) Thank you. It did take it did take a few years because when we um, when we first started, we had these messaging workshops that we would take clients through that were very um, intensive for me because it was one to one for hours at a time, you know, working with the client. And um, then we, you know, we developed this program that we would take clients through. But again, it was like weekly meetings and, and quickly, I quickly realized like, okay, this, this is not actually working for me because I feel like I'm never getting to the work. (laughs) For me, the work is, you know, the research and the listening to voice of customer and the, you know, going through loads and loads of data and coming up with the ideas and then acting on those ideas. Whereas for Frank, he really, you know, the work to him feels like getting in there with the client and lashing around ideas and, you know, coming up with strategies and, and, you know, new opportunities for them. So it wasn't, it wasn't until I think we, we tried, um, we also realized we were, we were doing a lot of work together, whereas we have very different strengths. And, um, if we kind Mm. of divided the work, (laughs) we could get more done and also be happier about it because we would be playing into our strengths instead of, you know, me fighting against them and, Mm. you know, me maybe getting a little bit impatient with Frank of, you know, why, why do you want all these meetings? I don't feel like we need all these meetings. And, you know, Frank being like, we really need to take the client along on this journey. Mm. We do need these meetings. So, so it's working out much better for us now that we have a better understanding of what we're each good at. But that required great consciousness on your parts. Yeah. And I think the thing we have a client who who often uh, describes us as thoughtful. And I think that is something that everything we do, we analyze it to the nth degree. And we and and I guess that's the good thing about, you know, being married and being so comfortable with each other is that we just talk and, and dig into things and figure out, OK, what's going on here? Why is this not working for us? What what could we try to make it work better or the opposite? you know, reflecting on things and saying, well, that that went really well. How do we take this forward and, you know, make it even better the next time around? Because that's definitely the kind of the intersection of the Venn diagram is that we are both very thoughtful, reflective and and strategic. Um, But then, as we said, kind of, you know, Marcy alluded to that feeling of like, but when do we do the work, which is the research and the writing and Mm -hmm. the and, you know, whereas then for me, the 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 benefit the huge benefit for me working with Marcy is that with with the kind of energy that you're that we're describing that I have the danger is that I go off in a million different directions and I don't have the focus mm. to really you know pick one track and then really propel forward on it um so the the synergy between us works really well that way yeah so it's really, uh, it's a very co-creative. I wonder, how do your clients feel? Do they recognize both of your strengths? Is it is it overtly stated? Do you say, state it? How do you manage that relationship? Or does it just happen organically? I mean, I feel like it happens organically. I know most of the time our clients end up having more of a connection with Frank because he is more, more present, yeah. whereas I'm, you know, off um, digging into you know, the research for them. 
But I think mm. um, I'm the one that uh, oftentimes when there's work produced, when there's work to be presented, it's it's come from me. So, you know, it's kind of like they get to see the end result coming from me, whereas Frank is the one that takes them through the journey that leads up to that end result. So I think just, you know, we, we don't really describe it to clients. It just kind of happens. Yeah, they realize it. One of the things that I love about you, Marcy, and I think it comes from the journey that you guys have been on recently, is you you keep talking about the research. And I'm not sure it's so, it's not of the norm, the voice of customer research that you do. It's so critical, the assumptions that are made about what we think the pain points of our customers are. You know, a lot of the time people when our entrepreneurs spend more of their time looking in the mirror. And yes, you may be a previous version of what your customer might be, but that that step of stepping in the shoes of the customer, it's r- so powerful. Do you want to share with us the process a little, Marcy? Sure. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think anything in marketing should start with research. And as you said, Finola, I think it's very easy for um, any business owners, but especially entrepreneurs to kind of get lost in their own heads and feel like, especially if they've started a business where they've solving a pro- they're solving a problem that they've experienced. But, you know, what I've found is that you never actually know what's going on in someone else's head unless you get in there and find out. So um, the the research process, it it takes different forms, but it's basically just, you know, finding out what's the conversation that's already happening inside the customer's head. So, you know, that can be done through um, surveys, asking open-ended questions, or, you know, one-to-one interviews are really great because then, you know, you can see the person you're interviewing, you can see their, their facial expressions and you can hear their tone of voice and you can really, um, you know, you can get a better sense of when they're just kind of giving a surface level answer or when you need to say, okay, I need to dig deep here and find out what's really going on. And so many times um, in the research phase, I've set out, you know, I'll always interview the clients and get an idea of what their business is and what their offer is. And you kind of set out with that understanding, that internal understanding. And then when you start, um, you know, interacting with customers or getting to know the customers or the prospects, you realize that it fits into their lives in a completely different way than what you expected. Mm. And that's why it becomes Mm. so important because, um, you know, you you might be saying one thing that you think is very powerful in your marketing, but if your prospect is thinking, something totally different than the mm. message you've created is never going to reach them, never going to resonate with them. Yeah. So it's getting to know them so that you can speak directly to what they're thinking, to what they're feeling, to what they're desiring. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, it's just, um, you, I guess you can tell I'm getting excited about it because I just yeah. love digging, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, just really analyzing and, and digging in and getting, and getting to know the pain points and the problems and what their dreams are. And then um, it's not, and it's not just about, messaging, obviously lots of amazing messaging and copywriting comes out of that. But it's also just, you know, how can we better serve these people? How can we Mm -hmm. change the offer to better accommodate them 
because, you know, we are just trying to make their lives better. And once we know exactly how we can make their lives better, then we can, you know, better accommodate them. And I, I find in my own work for the positioning, I always look at, let's look at the customer from your perspective, as in my client's perspective. And now let's go away and look at it from their perspective, exactly what you've done. In your experience, and I'll share with you my experience on this, but in your experience, do you, do you think that the company, your client, can ever do this work for themselves? I think, so I think it is, possible. What I've noticed is that um, a lot of times clients, at least in the part of the journey where they're working with us, a lot of times they undervalue it and they don't, Mm -hmm. um, they don't think it's necessary. So um, I think you really have to value, you have to recognize its value in order to have the patience to spend hours digging through, you know, voice of customer data. I think what they see, you know, they see the end result and they see what that does for their business and um, it becomes, you know, easier for them to respect like, okay, Marcy's going to go away and spend loads of time doing voice of customer research for the next project. So I know I've kind of gone in circles with your question. I do think it's possible for anyone to learn voice of customer research techniques and to go off and do it for their own business. But I also think, you know, in order to do it well, it takes it takes patience and it takes focus and it takes constant digging and, you know, being excited by the ideas that you have to work hard for. And I think there's, there is a little there is a little bit of a benefit to having somebody else do it because it is there's a slight remove. You know, people are people are that little bit more likely to tell you what you want to hear if you're speaking with them directly in the client-customer relationship. So yeah, so I think there is a little bit of a benefit to getting someone else to do it for you. I also, I'd love to go back to, you know, you were saying, Finola, that you you talked to them about looking at the customer from their perspective and then looking at the, the customer's perspective. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I, you know, I do believe also in the power of story and the power of imagination. And so mm. we have now, we're getting to a point where what we do is we do a lot of that work with the client where we get them to step into the shoes of the their client or, um, and that is essentially. Do you get them to role play? Um, no, I mean, we talk, but we get them mm. to create a really complete fictional character. However, mm that is in order to for them to be able to more easily kind of remember a whole set of like you know data points about their client Mm. because it's so much easier to remember it in a story form but we always but these days now we always make sure that it is backed up by the data by the research and that it's not just it's not just pure fiction the fiction is Mm. just a way for you to retain it and use it in your marketing you know from day to day um, so that you're always speaking to the needs of the of the customer. But I like that, that you said that, that it's easier for them to retain, you know, because it makes them even embody it a little, that their customer is really up close and personal. That's a stage I do of get up close and personal with your customers. And yeah, like you, uh, I have an experience of clients hate this work. <laughs> 
And then they start to do it and they and you see the faces come alive with, oh, my God, the insights I have from doing this work. Like it's transformational. It is the cornerstone of every piece of great marketing is how close you are to your customers. Would you feel the same way? Exactly. And I think it's very easy, especially um, probably most of our clients are dealing with large online audiences. And it's so it's so easy to just think of them as a mass of people. And Mm. the only way you're going to feel true empathy for someone online is if you think of them as a real person. And that's where the imaginative work really has a powerful part to play that you're not thinking of them as a set of data points or as this faceless, you know, audience that you'll never meet, but you're thinking of them as, you know, someone that you know and you respect and that you can visualize the impact you're making on their lives. Yeah. I've also, to share this, I've also worked with clients where the, the customers that they have this later on in their business they've fallen out of love with. Like, so what we're talking about is really falling in love with our customers. But there are stages in a business where a business can fall out of love because perhaps you priced cheaper at an earlier stage or you produced a product at an earlier stage. And there is this real, I think that there's a key learning here that when you fall out of love with the customer, perhaps you should let them go because you'll never reach them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... You know, we we when we were chatting before, we talked a little about this kind of like sense of community. And I think if, you know, if you've fallen out of love with your customers, you you can't possibly form any sense of community with them. And I think that is vital in terms of where marketing is going now. People are tired of being sold to. They're tired of being marketed mm. to. But there's a huge possibility for a lot of businesses to actually build a sense of community around what they do. Not every business necessarily, I realize. If you sell cups and saucers, and I don't know if there, well, there probably is. There probably is a community of people who love fine china or love, you know. So I think, I think you have to have that love for your customers and then build that sense of community around what you do. And that it's a, that it's a, 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 a relationship of respect and it's a two-way that there's love going both ways. And this points back to your rise above the blah, which I really love <laughs> because it makes it makes you think about the one customer or the individual customer that you actually speak from this, like this true sense of connection, this this community, as you say, that you're building with this other person that is in your life, you know, that you are in each other's lives in a very deep way. You may not be in that in their lives for a long time, but when you're when you're truly marketing someone and giving voice in copy or giving voice in their strategy to where they can be in the world, to have the dream of their business, there has to be community there and communion there. Well, I mean, I think there's two, I mean, I think there's two, yeah, there's two aspects to it. I mean, one is, one is the general like sense of community. So, you know, we have clients who have a, an incredible real world presence, but then just weren't, didn't know how to bring that online so that, you know, mm. if you, if you visited their brick and mortar business, it's vital. There's a, an amazing sense of community. Everybody knows each other. 
But then it's like, yeah, but how do you how do you reflect that online? Because we're not, you know, it's not a natural uh, medium for us. So there's that general sense of community, I think, is one thing. Just learning how to communicate. You know, I mentioned before that I do some acting as well, and there's a there's a, a and one of the most famous acting teachers of all time, Sanford Meisner. He said that acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Okay, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, when we get into bringing people online and how to communicate online, I always kind of say to them that, you know, building building that brand or building that personal brand is all about acting truthfully under digital circumstances. In both yeah. cases, you're essentially stepping onto a stage and that freezes us up a lot of the time. So you have to learn. Because yeah, we're vulnerable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm still learning that, Frank, I have to say. I'm still learning that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we have to conquer it in so many different mediums because, you know, there's the writing, there's the photographs, there's the video um, and yeah. so each one, <laughs> yeah. there's the there's the podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Each one you kind of have to learn. How do I how do I actually show up as myself in each of these? So it's yeah, it's not an easy task. But I, I think I think it's I think we should reframe it because it's ultimately easier to be ourselves than to be something else, you know, to be ourselves in all those places, to show up in all those places authentically, than to try and figure out, well, what what's my alternative here? You know, this Oscar Wilde quote, which is be yourself, everyone else is taken. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, when you once you figure out how to show up kind of truthfully as yourself, then it is much, much easier as you go forward, because if you've created this like fake persona, mm -hmm. then you're constantly pretending, you're constantly, you know, that's draining, that's exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you do have to kind of get to that point where you're like, okay, this is how I can actually show up as myself. But I also think that's where the customer research can really be powerful as well, because, you know, once you know who you're talking to, it becomes so much easier mm. to talk to them because, you know, it's, I know, it's easy to get kind of wrapped up in your head of, oh, is this going to go over well? Or am I going to be judged for this? Or, but if you've got, you know, this wealth of information about what, what your customers are like, what they're looking for, you know, what, what they want in their lives. And then you can start playing into that, not playing into it, but you can start meeting that, meeting them where they are. Then, you know, for certain that what you're presenting as, you know, as yourself, but also with a message that is going to be well received because it's informed by what people are already looking for. Yeah. Let's have a little discussion also now because it's coming up and this is other duality part of your relationship with which is that as well as being amazing brand strategists and digital marketers and copywriters, Frank, you're an actor also. And Marcy, you are a creative writer also. And what I'd love you to share is the fact that, as I said, as we spoke before, so many people feel like they need to leave part of themselves away and they can't bring all of themselves into a business that they have to fit in this neat little box. But you found a way to kind of open the box up. Yeah, I mean, so definitely, you know, I had 
I definitely had it built a huge, solid brick wall between my digital marketing and my acting. And, and it was exhausting because anytime that I was switching, it was this, it was like, I had this huge wall to climb. Um, yeah. And I actually, I did, um, I did some work with a friend of mine who's a coach and he kind of identified this and said like, why, why don't you just knock that wall down? Um, yeah. And so I did, and it took a little bit of time. But and it seems so simple, I'm sure, when he said it. Um, well, when he said it, I actually had a lot of resistance to it because I felt like people on both sides of the wall would react badly to the other side of the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it took me a while to realize that, you know, it's, they're just projects. They're just different yeah. projects that I take on. And so mm. it's a simple case of saying to someone, you know, yes, I can take on your digital marketing project. However, I do have this project running in, you know, January or whenever it might be. And that there's no difference. There's no difference that it's an acting project or a digital marketing project. It's just a project I have on. Yeah, they don't mind just once they know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also realized when I when I pulled that wall down, I realized that I had built such a solid wall between the two that I had been completely missing the benefits that yeah. existed on both sides of the wall for exactly. the other side. <laughs> so, yeah, a richness that could cross pollinate. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I guess for me, I feel like I've kind of developed this daily writing practice at the same time as I've become more and more serious um, in upskilling as a as a copywriter. And I think, you know, there's definitely with the it's it's like I do feel like there are very there are two very distinct forms of writing because with copywriting I'm always listening to others I'm always listening to the customers and then bringing mm. that over into the copywriting whereas with the creative writing that gets to come entirely from me I I just yeah. I only have to listen to myself so yeah. I guess in a way it's um, you know developing two ways of listening one to myself and and one to others. And um, the creative writing obviously does feel a lot more creative because I can kind of do anything with that. And then mm. I mean, there's obviously the editing process and everything. But um, with the with the copywriting, you know, it's got to be so focused, and it's 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 never for me. It's always for the clients, mm. customers, and there's mm. always immediate feedback. You know, does yeah. that does that email do well? you know, are we getting sales? Are we? So there's that constant process of like learning and tweaking and learning and tweaking. Whereas, you know, mm. I feel like with the creative writing, it's a more, um, you know, it's, it's more, I suppose it's more nourishing in a way. I'm still, I'm still having to give a lot, but it might be years before anything I write is seen by anyone. Whereas as a copywriter, things I write often go out immediately and I get to see how they perform in the world. So you know, it's it's nice, you know, one way it's nice to have that instant gratification, but then also to have this practice that's more, that's kind of more yeah. um, intuitive and more based on myself. So then also for you, do you feel that cross pollinates and they help each other or allows you to switch? Yeah, it, do, it does kind of feel like a mental switch. And even, you know, now sometimes I catch myself when I'm doing just my own writing, I'm kind of like, oh, am I writing that as a copywriter? Am I, am I just trying to like 
hook attention, yeah, yeah. you know, or mm. am I am I really, you know, digging deep? Or, I mean, you have to dig deep in copywriting as well, but am I digging deep into myself? And so, um, yeah. I mean, you know, they are, they are both writing and they're both um, writing and putting it in front of others and getting their opinion on it. So, you know, yeah. They, I feel though as well that, you know, because with the copywriting, there is research and then, Mar you know, Marcy does a lot of work in terms of pulling out, like turning that, turning those interviews, turning those surveys into data and figuring out what the messages Ooh. are. However, I think, you know, you could hand that data to someone and they wouldn't be able to write something particularly compelling. So they might get the message right. However, how compelling is it going to be? And I feel like, you know, your creative writing lends you a a skill and a bravery to take those messages and then write them in a really, you know, creative, compelling way. Cool. I like that a lot. I think you're right. <laughs> oh, this is so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're a great team. I would love to ask you now, what would you love people to walk away with from this chat? I think, you know, we we have managed to build a business and a lifestyle that doesn't, you know, necessarily conform to societal norms. Yeah. I know there's, lo you know, there are plenty of people out there like us, but also I think, you know, I think there are a lot of people when they're starting out in business that they feel like they have to follow a very particular template and do things a very particular way. Mm. And I think we both genuinely feel like if you explore it deeply enough, yeah, you can find the way of doing it that is going to suit you and fulfill you best. And yeah. it doesn't have to be the way anybody else is doing it. Love it. Yeah. And we were we were saying, Fanola, as well, I mean, you were talking about this, that I think even us, we sometimes fall into the trap of thinking, well, we're going to feel like we've arrived at some point. Mm. Like, okay, we're there. Mm. It's done. We've achieved it. And now it's just, I don't know what we expect, just to coast along for the rest of our lives. Mm. But that's not the way it works. Mm. It, it, it always feels different than you imagine it's going to feel. Mm. And something we've been trying to get better at is like reflecting on the day, on the month, on the year mm. and realizing actually we're making, we're making great progress, even though it, it feels like um, it feels like a state of constant change mm. instead of like, you know, smooth water. It feels like it's always kind of choppy water. But that's, you know, I think we're, we're coming to realize that's just what it feels like. And that's not wrong. That's that's just how it is. There's a great quote by um, the book. I don't know whether you've ever read it uh, by Richard Bach called Illusions, the name of the book. And it says, Here's a test to find whether your mission on Earth is over or not. If you're alive, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, so you got to just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It's just been a pleasure chatting to you too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's always, always a pleasure chatting with you, Fanola. Thank you so much for having us on. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Frank and Marcy and how they work, then check out frankandmarcy.com. That's Frank and Marcy, M-A-R-C-I dot com. And if you'd like to support the show, 
please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. It's a chance to tell me what you love about the show and helps others discover it too. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.